Welcome back to the Finishing Touch NBA Draft Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Wilson, joined as always uh, by my colleague here, David Sidock. David, how are you doing this evening? Actually, don't even answer that question. I've asked you that way too many times today. Uh, we are recording an episode about Derek Lively II out of Duke University. Uh, David, do you have any Derek Lively takes you want to get off just straight from the top or, or do you want to run into the intro? Um, I can tell you're just itching to talk about Lively. So I'm just going to give you the floor. Like, talk about <laughs> oh, your guy, yeah. Tyler. Uh, this is my guy. And I, I in a similar theme to uh, Kyle Filipowski before, I did not think that Derek Lively was going to be my guy entering the – uh, 2022-23 NBA draft season. But uh, here we are, and I, I think he's great. Uh, Derek Lively, the number two rated RSCI recruit uh, for the 2022 class, has spent uh, the majority of the year at Duke starting. Uh, had a little bit of a slow start in terms of kind of acclimating to the team and his role. Um, but as he's done it, uh, is averaging uh, 5.2 points, 5.4 rebounds, 1.1 assists on 66 15 60 shooting splits uh certainly not the most overwhelming counting stats in the book uh, but has been one of the most uh productive and uh, impactful freshmen in college basketball this season uh david what are your initial impressions of uh derek lively and then i'm just gonna like climb up to the top rope here and uh prepare my dismount His defense is just overall really impressive, especially as like the the season has gone on. Um, let me see, what's the block rate? Twelve point seven. Twelve point seven block rate is pretty impressive. And I know you probably uh, you probably have a lot to say about that, considering you've like looked at every single big man stat line since like nineteen ninety five. So I can't wait to hear how that stacks up to all the rest of them. I know you've been um, having fun with that project, but uh. But yeah, uh, just an overall really good defensive prospect. I think he's a re- he's a pretty good rebounder, really good rebounder. Um, uh, what's it called? The finishing is interesting. Uh, I saw somewhere like he he's like basically okay. He's basically finishing everything above the rim as far as like dunks go. But then like the non dunk uh, finishes have been kind of underwhelming to say the least. So I kind of want to hear your take on like how much that matters. Probably doesn't matter that much if he's jumping out of the gym to grab everything for a dunk, but uh, definitely an interesting, another interesting data point. But, uh, and then also the passing uh, impressed me a little bit. Um, his feel was, was better than I expected. Uh, his, the short roll potential could, or uh, his short roll potential could be pretty, good i don't know how to word it but yeah <laughs> and then yeah i'm just gonna let you talk about it now uh this is my just like little short piece um i don't want you to just go yeah just go crazy <laughs> yeah so i think derek lively for me is a really easy uh bet in terms of just being like a valuable nba player so you said that his his block rate was was great and i think that that is like a generally like a stat that people will throw out and like there's not a whole lot of contextualization of like what is or isn't a good block rate um, so obviously last year we saw walker kessler um have one of like the most insane block rate seasons ever i think it it was tied for the highest block rate ever at 18.8 um which was tied up i think with larry, one of the larry sanders seasons at vcu 
Um, so obviously anything above like 15 is pretty like astounding stuff. You'll get like Walker Kessler, Hassan Whiteside, uh, Jaron Jackson, Anthony Davis. Uh, those are your kind of stalwarts that hit the like 14, 15% mark. Um, outside of that, there's like, as everybody else, like they're getting above 10 is a pretty uh, solid mark in terms of it's like projecting to being a very good NBA uh, rim protector. Um, if you were to look at just like a general statistical profile, like what actually is important for NBA bigs, uh, you can actually like value and looking at like their general, I guess we'll say per possession stats. Um, there are like three things like DBPM is like, like for obvious reasons, like a relatively consistent one. And just like, if your team is better with you on the court defensively, um, that's typically good for big men. Like big men, like that's like really what your primary responsibility is, is to defend the paint and improve your team's defense. So uh, obviously team's defensive performance is at least somewhat indicative of uh, overall quality. Um, then there's block rate uh, for obvious reasons. Like you're the biggest player on the court, you need to protect the rim. Um, and then the third would be like, the idea is a general proxy for rebounding. Um, defensive rebound rate is just, not really worthwhile especially when talking about bigs just because it is highly scheme dependent um so if you just like just view offensive rebounding who are the best offensive rebounders in college basketball like uh you just kind of get the best rebounders in the nba be that stephen adams or uh andre drummond or whoever it may be um maybe andre drummond's defensive rebound rate would might have actually been less than his offensive rebound rate uh so uh, just as a general point, like that, uh, those are the kind of the three areas you think of defensively for bigs. Like, obviously, there's like an athletic threshold of like, do you have the mobility needed to play defense in today's NBA? Um, that has changed over time and is probably higher now. But the, the baseline requirements for the position, like rebounding, protecting the rim, and just like defensive success, like remain. Um, and lively is a stud in all three of those. Like, true blue, great. Like, the, the block rate is in the whatever it is like top five percent of prospects and is like four freshmen is like a, a true outlier that is like only really competed with by like jaron and anthony davis so that's an incredible company then the offensive rebound rate is i want to say what is it now that's a 12 spot three um very good uh not quite at duran who is at 14 but um uh, I, I think it's around Embiid. i mean it's a like pretty much pretty uh significant in its value especially for somebody who's like 19 years old and again is his dbpm which was uh 6.5 which the last time i checked that was the sixth highest ever in parts database for a freshman uh so yeah essentially Derek vibe is having like an unprecedented defensive season for a freshman big prospect in terms of just like overall impact and quality and yeah, the offensive stuff is a question, and I haven't mentioned that at all yet because that is really not a part of myself or Derek Lively. Um, uh, the offense has questions, but like, defensively, he's really good. The statistical indicators all say that he is a good defender, and then you watch him play, and he just erases shots. I think his hands are awesome. Uh, I think he he just like has that thing where he'll be contesting a shot and he'll kind of like reach his arm back at an awkward angle and you're assuming he's just trying to get his hand up somewhere to try to like disrupt the general like field of vision and then he'll actually get a hand on the ball like that happens so often and you really don't have a block rate north of like 10 without being a, like a genuinely really good shot blocker as far as timing and athletic tools and well lively is it maybe like the 
like the picture of like dominant physical athleticism, he has every tool that you need to be a great rim protector in the NBA and a great like defensive five. Um, and like not the least of which is his general mobility. Like I think he moves so well on the court for somebody that's his size. And like, I know he was reported to have like a six, seven foot eight wingspan or something. There's no way he has a seven foot eight wingspan. That would be nuts. Um, but he, he is a, a genuinely big, big man and he moves on the floor incredibly well there's not going to be a scheme you're going to want to run defensively that Derek lively can't do um so i don't know i think this as a defensive prospect i think like the surety of what he's going to be um is so much higher than he's given credit for and uh bigs that are this easy of a bet to be productive defenders in the nba like don't come around very often like, if you are a team that has a ball handler that is developing and you want to pair him with a sturdy defensive five who can set screens and like, you know, like grease the wheels of your offense and like create a positive developmental structure for your team. Like you have one or maybe two chances per draft to get that player, like in the entire draft. So like, I think the teams are really off, like really, it's easy to say like, Oh, bigs are replaceable. So yeah, they are kind of replaceable. Like you can find replacement level bigs anywhere. That's the whole point of the term is replacement level. But if you want to find like actually like well-fitting, impactful big men to develop with your young core, like you, you just don't really have that chance very often. And like, yeah, last year's class of Mark Williams and Walker Kessler and Jalen Duran is like, it's a really great one. But you look at the the three years before that, and it is uh, it's barren, and it, it, there wasn't very many options. And so if you miss on one of those guys, um, and you pass on lively this year, good luck because uh, it may be a little while before you have somebody of that caliber. Um, I think that in of, that in and of itself is a reason to draft somebody with that skill set. Yeah, I'm kind of a sucker for that that skill set myself too. Like just like a good or like an elite or an elite rim rolling big that offers a lot on defense. Like that's pretty enticing, um, especially for like some of the premier like creators in the league that would need like a lob threat or somebody to like space the floor vertically. Um, and then you add in like the fact that I think his passing is like, can it continue to grow? Cause I think it grew like throughout this season. And I feel like his offensive game is probably not like as bad as people would say. Cause I mean, if you just like, his role is going to be simplified a lot in the NBA. So I don't think there's not going to be any team that kind of like asks him to do a lot. I mean, I think he's going to fulfill whatever he's asked to do pretty easily. And I think he's going to get like minutes. He should get minutes like pretty early on. He's kind of like, like we talk a lot about like plug and play for like wings, but I mean, he's pretty like plug and play as a big, I would think. And kind of like, I think that's like, we've talked about this kind of like overlooked sometimes. Um, when, when we're evaluating guys, it's like if there's like an immediate path to minutes for them, then, you know, that's more development time and that there's more time for their confidence to grow. And just like the odds of them kind of just like succeeding at the next level are just like higher, I'd say. Um, but yeah, I think his role is going to be simple. Um, I don't want to say it's like a simple evaluation by any means because that's just like overlooking things, but um I definitely buy him as like a guy that's going to get minutes for like years in the NBA. Yeah, I think that there's this uh, 
there's become this stigma around drafting big men in like the whatever it is the, the, the first round or the top 20 or wherever you want to be. Um, it's like the idea that like oh big men are risky, like oh like big men bust, and like the like the 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 game has moved big spines. I think that the game has moved by like a specific facet of big men, which is like that kind of like that slow-footed post-scoring plotter that like isn't good enough to like really initiate and like drive successful offense. Like the the Jaleel, the Jaleel Okafors of the world, or uh, like it seemed like Devonta Sabonis like maybe in that field, and now it turns out he's actually good enough to drive offense. Like that is kind of this archetype of player that the game moved by. And I think that unfairly a lot of other bigs were kind of like docked because of that. And like you see the failures and these like the, these top five picks and they go, like, oh, well, I don't want to like throw all my assets in that pool. I'll go for like this like steady value wing. But um, and I think as a result, like that the kind of bigs that thrive in today's NBA are generally undervalued come draft time. Um, and you see that with Robert Williams and you saw that with Bam Adebayo and you saw that with Clint Capella and you saw that with Stan. Hugo Bear and you saw that with Jalen Duran. Like you see that with everybody. It's like it is the best bigs that are in the NBA today outside of Joel Embiid and like Anthony Davis, if you want to classify him as a big, like every one of those dudes was drafted like later than they should have been. And um, I guess in Embiid's case, he also was because he's the third pick. Um, but I think it's just frustrating because i love big men like i love that style of basketball and i love a well-built defense around like a dominant seven footer so i i do have a general soft spot to that i guess a general archetype especially as a spurs fan but live just feels like such an easy bet for me um i, I know like, they coming into the year a lot of the hype is like oh he's a shooter oh like, what can you do offensively like i think like you said when you boil it down to what he's actually going to do in the league which is he's going to set screens and he's already a good screen setter and he already like knows how to use his body to get in the way and has a like, solid timing with their guards. I don't think he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's certainly willing to screen. Um, and he is a hard roller and is a great lob threat. Uh, there's not really any questions about that. I think he's been really successful there. Uh, his non-dunk twos are certainly a question. There's probably like 20 of them on the entire year. Like there's just not a very large volume. Uh, but does him being like this like awesome threat to finish around the basket like that's like a like a like as like a layup guy is, does, does that like change the way a defense guards him in the pick and roll like I don't think so like, I think that if he's gonna be running a pick and roll in the NBA like they're gonna have to bring help because he's gonna be able to catch lobs essentially in any circumstance because of his wingspan and reach and um, the fact that he can't really make a layup or like you know hit a little eight footer isn't really going to change that. And then once you bring help, like he is a quick decision maker. Like I said, zero second decisions. Like Lively has had quite a few of those moments where it's just like, oh, dude, like that was a great pass. Like that was like an actual NBA like read out of a oral situation. And um, I don't know. I think that that is an easy projection for me. It's like, do I think that he has like this enormous offensive upside? No, but like, do, do I think he's good in the areas that bigs need to be good at in order to like be valuable to an offense? Yes. Like hundred percent. Do you think some of like the gripes that people have with him are kind of because they're almost like mad that he was um, like, ranked so highly coming out of high school like what was he like one or two in the class and that's definitely like probably an overranking um all things considered but it feels like people are like then like i don't know like wanting to almost like wanting to be low on him and kind of like overlooking the simple things that 
make him like still a good prospect. Yeah, I think that is definitely a part of it. Um, I mean, from personal experience, I will say that like that is how I approached the year with like, with Filipowski was that like I I remember sending a message in, in a group chat earlier this year. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna have to see a lot of positive Filipowski tape for me to have him with a first round grade. Like that's gonna be yeah. a, a lot. And yeah, here we are. Like that's that that that, that is what has happened. Um, I think that it is really easy to do that, especially when you feel like somebody has been ranked improperly um or it's, it's yeah. kind of like a misevaluation of their skill set and their like projected role um because like, those are the ones that are really frustrating where it's not like oh like oh you think that like maybe he makes more shots than he does it's, no you just like don't get it like you don't understand what his actual role is going to be in the league to put him at two in this class like that doesn't make sense to me um yeah, no, so, yeah I, mean, I don't he, he didn't really belong there but i think that a lot of the negativity has gone too far because of that i think that's totally true you know, I bring it up because, like, I've kind of, like, felt myself, like, feel, like, a similar sort of way for other guys. And it's just, like, something I've been, like, trying to. Dylan Mitchell. Yeah. Something I've been, I've been <laughs> trying to, like, uh, just, like, improve on as far as, like, draft evaluation goes. It's just, like, it's obviously impossible, but to, like, kind of just, like, limit as much bias as possible when it comes to it is just, like, something I've been trying to improve on. And I think that people will be like, you know, they get mad that they get ranked so highly and then they just like have like kind of just like a bone to pick with the player, like um, for like no reason, honestly, but it's natural, I guess. Um, but yeah, I kind of, I just just like something I was thinking about, like, like you said, is like a pretty easy or like simple bet to be a good defensive big and a really good rim roller or like lob threat. And that's like a valuable player. It's just that, I don't know. I think people are just low on him because of that, honestly. Yeah, I just think that there's not like yeah. the, the sexy upside of it. And it, like, with Filipowski, at least, too, like there, there's the excitement of like, oh, he dribbles, you know, like he does things with the ball. Yeah. And, like he tries to do stuff. He looks like he has real skill. Versus like with bigs, they're so often viewed as these like low skill players. Whereas like the the actual role they're playing, and especially like the, the decisions with the speed with which with which they need to make decisions on a court is so incredibly high and like the skill level required for that is is, is so enormous that like uh it but it is nice is excited exciting to like get fired up about um i don't know i think that live is a really easy bet and while rsci rankings and like high school rankings are a flawed enterprise and not something you should put like all your weight into um i think if you could look back in previous classes it's a pretty easy bet for like RSEI top 10 guys to at least stick in the NBA and be solid. Like, are all those guys great? No. And are some of them like overranked? Certainly, yeah. But like, you don't see a whole lot of like T10 RSE guys, RSEI guys just like fail out of the league. I think that was how Lively was viewed at the beginning of the year when he was struggling to start and kind of like struggling to like find his footing at Duke. Um, it kind of jumps into this whole idea like, oh, well, he's, he's terrible. He never should have been too. He's not even going to play in the league. Like, he shouldn't even be drafted. It's like, let's like slow our role a little bit, guys. Like, like this is like, he maybe wasn't the second best recruit in the class, but you don't get that kind of ranking by being somebody who like doesn't have the tools or the skill set to like succeed in the NBA. Um, the days of that happening are long gone. And, um, and I think there are probably realities where like Jilly Locafor does contribute in the NBA. Um, but I guess the thing you know, like RSCI misses, that's probably the biggest one I can think of in recent memory. Vernon Carey. Yeah, Vernon Carey is another big one too. I forgot, I can't remember what he was in his class. But again, uh, Vernon Carey, another one where it's like you're on the precipice of being able to yeah. be the kind of big that you're supposed to be. And you look at his, his, his 
statistical indicators from his freshman year um, in college. And Vernon Carey, like, kind of checked all the boxes. He just, like, didn't quite yeah. hit that athleticism threshold of, like, can he, like, not get cooked by guards? Um, I mean, he still could think, be something in the league. It's only been, what, yeah. like, two or three years? I, so, I, I agree. You know? I, mean, I think so. I mean, I, I, by – if anyone is listening to this and like, like, oh my God, I can't believe that Tyler's a Vernon Carey guy. I'm not saying that I'm a Vernon Carey guy. I'm just saying that the general statistical profile for Vernon Carey was positive um, in a way that like at least caught my eye in looking at him. Um, but yeah, I think that Lively isn't someone you're going to get like super excited about unless you're a team that like, really needs a big. And I think there's so many teams in the league nowadays that are like just like desperately need a functional five to just like grow with their perfect on the Mavs. Yeah, like exactly. Like there's so many teams that they just need it. And like unfortunately the Pistons have like everybody that could fill that role. So like, now people have to draft someone. So like I mean because Troy Weaver's not giving up any of his centers. So no, we have to create a whole new market for it. <laughs> uh, dude. I don't know. I, Lively is a fun one. I don't think I can see the case for Lively getting the lotto um at least in my view, maybe someone would view his offense as, uh, as a rosier projection. But um, and in a weaker class, I think the case for Lively being in a lottery is really easy. Um, I would prefer Duran to Lively pretty clearly in terms of like general yeah, yeah, yeah. prospect quality. But I think the sell for Lively is in a really similar vein, just made with a little bit less of the, the high-end uh, upside. But um, I don't know. I think he's really, really, really good. And is um, another guy where like, with Derek and with Flip and with him, he, all of these guys really highly rated recruits who've had a ton of attention on them throughout their entire like high school career and have been like the dude in their state, not even the dude on their team, even the dude in their state, like in their region of America, playing basketball for the last like four years. So, um, I, and, I, and I do realize that like they're obviously not all going to have these enormous on-ball roles or these high offensive usage roles, but the the value of those repetitions and that experience and like having the, like those chances to learn and grow your, grow your game with the ball in your hands as, as the featured option on a team is like super valuable. And I think you see that in how they read the floor and how they make decisions and like how they pass the ball. So you don't see a whole lot of seven footers that like can make split second decisions on a short roll, but I think both flip and lively do that well because these like enormously touted high school players, like they had to pass to somebody at some point and they always have the ball. So, um, while those weren't maybe like ideal reps for their future role, I think that there is a real value to having that kind of experience. And um, I think that goes for all three of these guys. I think it's kind of funny how you kind of like ended up on the extreme for like, or not extreme, but like you were the high or low guy for like each of these guys. And I know. Exactly. I don't even feel like that my my takes are that extreme on them but i guess yeah. they kind of are i mean the, the flip one at least i feel like is like the most neutral i mean i can see why i'm higher on Derika on lively but it's just like the um i don't know i just it, i guess it's just weighting different variables um more heavily than other people um and i see why you're not as high on Derika, but it seems like you're a little bit higher on lively than um the general consensus which you know yeah I'm, i've been pushing that big man agenda everywhere i go man it's just like functional bigs matter they're not a scrap heap uh, asset. We need to save them because uh, if anybody has a, as a fan of a team, I know that you are uh, a team that like really has struggled to put together like functional defensive minutes at the five. Like it is the oh worst gosh. thing on earth, dude. There's it's nothing so worse. 
And there's nothing worse for trying to develop young guys on a team than putting them on the court and being like, we have no structure and we have no defensive identity. Figure it out. You have no help. Like that's like, it, it's so it happens so often. Like, it happens so often. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously you understand, especially with Luca too, where it's like you have this like enormous offensive option. Like literally all he needs is somebody who's large that's going to stand there and set a screen and then walk towards the hoop. Like Boban Marjanovic was great at it. Like it's literally, it's all you got to do. Like, yeah, I mean, like offensively, the offensively, the big man situation, like, isn't that bad in Dallas? Like, I mean, like, yeah, it's so straightforward. So, like, the number one defensive five pick and roll combo. Yeah, it's like somebody that can actually like offer like some rim protection as a five would be great. Maxi is like like the linchpin for our entire defense. Exactly, it's it's harder to find than you would think. That would uh, if I can leave on a closing note, that's what it would be. Uh, Like it is, it's nice to prioritize perimeter positions and like the know the new sexy things of today, but. Um, last I checked, defense still wins championships. Uh, you know, and maybe, uh, maybe not every year, but uh, I, I, in reality, when's the last time a bad defensive team won a championship? And when is the last time an NBA Finals is played and the announcers didn't say they're winning the game at the rim? That's why they've got the lead. They're dominating the rim. Like, it's just like you know, that's just how it goes. Like if you can't get easy looks in the paint, you got to go elsewhere to lower value shots or at least lower percentile shots. And um, that's always going to have value. So, uh, Derek Lively, Derek Lively, uh, top twenty lock. Let's let's do it. Okay, well, I had a good time talking about all three of these guys with you. Um, did you have any closing remarks that you wanted to get out before I wrap it up? Uh, I think that's it for me. I think that all three of these guys are really harmed by the offensive context at Duke. And I think that they all really played well off each other defensively. I think with Tyrese Proctor and Jeremy Roach as well, like it's a good team in um, at least from a defensive uh, perspective. And you saw that in their ACC tournament run and in their, like their two games in the NCAA tournament. But uh, when push came to shove and they played a team like Tennessee, like they just couldn't score. And like Tyrese Proctor was awesome. Maybe we'll talk about him if he gets some buzz uh, through the draft, uh, process this year but there wasn't really anywhere for them to turn to actually have consistent offense be created for them and i think they ran into a lot of that last year too but they had paolo to lean on they had like somebody in the front court they could actually like run their offense through and create good looks for less uh, advantaged offensive talent on the perimeter and uh, they just didn't have that this year and the, the spacing was really poor and i think all three of them will will look better in a different role and with different surrounding pieces so um I think that is a, a really important piece to remember that every team context is like a snowflake. Essentially, there's all different, like every college is going to provide a new set of like circumstances and challenges for prospects to overcome each year and uh, figuring out which ones are are like exclusive or specific to that environment uh, is important. And I think that a lot of the things they encountered at Duke this year, specifically with their roster construction and how they all fit together isn't going to happen ever again in their careers. My bad. I was muted. Uh, It finally was you this time and not me.
I know I messed up. It's been a long time since I've done this whole podcasting thing. But, um, yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the new format. Uh, let us know what you think. I don't think we've had a single comment on any of our episodes ever. So, <laughs> don't back say if that. You guys have it. David. <laughs> if you have any feedback, yeah, like, yeah. let us know. Like, Let's see if we have any fans. But <laughs> um, do I talk too much? Does David not talk enough? Like, what are we doing here? Like, what? Let us know how it goes. Whose voice is deeper? Whose cat is more annoying? Let us know. Like, we got it. We need some kind of feedback. So it'd be great. Yeah, just blow up our mentions. But um, what's <laughs> uh, called? Um, next week, I think we're planning on doing, or the next week. I don't know what we're looking at timetable wise, but. We're looking at doing Leonard Miller, um, Brandon Miller, and Gigi Jackson. So that'll be Ooh. a fun one to look forward to. Uh, but yeah, uh, follow the pod on Twitter. Finish Touch Pod. Follow us on Twitter. I think you know it by now. Um, go check out the draft guide. That was really cool. Yes, I know. Check out the Switch Theory draft guide. Yeah. It is awesome. And, Shout out to Chip for uh, the whole yes. design of it, and uh, it really came together. It was it was an awesome project, and for Matt Powers for editing the whole thing because thing mm-hmm. is freaking huge, dude. Yeah, there was a lot of time spent on that project, so I'm sure everybody involved would love for you guys to go check it out. Uh, I'll vouch for it. It's very good. Um, but yeah, until next time, this is Finishing Touch signing out. Peace.